Hey, welcome back to Create Your Pathway. I'm your host, Rory. I talk with real people working real jobs so you can know what they're really like. And today we're interviewing Dr. Jeremy Blanchard. He's the Chief Medical Officer at North Mississippi Health Services. This is for the Health Sciences Pathway. There's so many ways to work in this field. You could be a doctor, a nurse, LPN, CNA, a PA, an RN, speech pathologist, physical therapist, and then of course you can work in administration in all these different places. Dr. Blanchard has seen both worlds because as Chief Medical Officer, he's got a significant executive leadership role in the overall system. He's also a medical doctor and he got into this career through the military. So the military actually paid for his med school. So for him, the military helped him to serve his country and it helped him as the pathway to get into the career that he wanted to get into. A lot of people don't know that, that the military can actually set you up to get into a different career and pay for your education. So that's something to keep in mind. Let's hear more from Dr. Blanchard now. Dr. Blanchard, thank you so much for being here with me this morning. Sure. I'm excited to be here. I think this is an incredible cause and uh... You know, I wish I had had this opportunity when I was in high school. So why don't we start, tell us your title, and then maybe expand on that a little bit by describing what that title means, like in terms of what you actually do. Sure, sure. So I, I think there's a background title and then my actual title. So my background title is, is uh, I'm board certified in critical care. So I did an internal medicine residency and a critical care fellowship in the, in the Army at Walter Reed Army Medical Center is where I did my fellowship. Okay. And then my current title is, is I am the system chief medical officer for the North Mississippi Health Services. So I have uh, seven hospitals, including North Mississippi Medical Center, uh, 43 clinics and four nursing homes uh, that I am the physician that's sort of in a executive role, which which I don't really see as in as a in charge being the right term. I, I'm a servant leader. So what I believe that means is that I have these incredible people that I work with that are way better at what they do than I'll ever be. And so what I'm trying to do is help them be the best versions of themselves, to be empowered, to remove obstacles and help them achieve excellence. Can you briefly outline for me what is the educational pathway you had to take to get you here? Well, so first of all, nobody in my family had ever graduated from college, either side, okay. except one cousin with an art degree. So the first thing I had to do was believe. If you want to do whatever you want to do, follow your heart, and you've got to believe. You've got to believe you can do it, even when nobody else does. Raised by a single mom, I worked since I was in seventh grade, and then uh, finished my undergraduate degree at the University of Montana. I uh, took a year off to figure out that my wife was my wife, and then I uh, went to medical school at the University of New Mexico on an Army scholarship, did a three-year residency at Madigan Army Medical Center in um, Tacoma, Washington, and then did uh, two years out as a battalion surgeon and a general internist, and then did a two-year fellowship in critical care. And later, when I decided to become a leader, I got a master's in medical management, which is much like an MBA, except it's very focused on just healthcare. It sounds like joining the military actually enabled you to end up pursuing a career. And I'm not sure that everybody recognizes that the military can be a career pathway in and of itself that can end up being separate from the military. In other words, I think it sounds like they paid for a lot of your training. Maybe say a little bit about um, how did you make that decision to use the military as your pathway to pursue medical training? Yeah, that's a great question for me because I actually had a free ride scholarship on needs based, okay. um, with I, which I chose not to accept mm. because I felt freedom wasn't free. I probably wouldn't have made that decision if I thought I would have gotten a better education outside the military. For me, being able to go on a military scholarship allowed me, one, to get my school paid for. Two, it gave me a stipend that I could, 
I could support myself so no one had to support me. And three, uh, I knew that I was going to do something for my country that was important. And, uh, and then four, I would get to travel places and see things I otherwise wouldn't see. And it turns out it was the highest paid residency in the United States because you're paid based on your uh, grade, which is I was a captain when I graduated from my residency, everyone mm-hmm. was. And then uh, I went all the way to the point of getting, uh, pin, uh, getting accepted to be a lieutenant colonel, but I got out before I pinned on. My mom got cancer and uh, I made some decisions mm. uh, that were different from what I had planned on doing. And then I think the last thing that I totally underestimated in the military is there, it is the, and this will probably make sense to you, but I missed it. It's the epitome of leadership training. So Mm -hmm. I walked out of the military with really no option, but to become a leader. I never wanted to be a system CMO. I never wanted to be a CMO period. I never had any aspirations to be a leader, but turns out sometimes you can't follow other people and you got to choose to lead. And I've always been committed to bringing the voice to the voiceless and caring for those who had no one else to care for them. So that's just part of my leadership. And I realized that the only way to do that was to, to, um, help people move forward. I don't think of myself out in front, but rather helping other people to move forward in a common vision, and accelerated state. Mm. Okay. So maybe walk me through. Uh, so I'm hearing layers of career. So there's the military and the army, there's, you know, medical training, uh, being a medical practitioner, and then now having a position of leadership in a hospital system as a medical practitioner. So uh, walk me through currently, like what is a day in the life Typically look you know, like. I just, well, can I go back one second? So there's two yeah. others before you even got to that. So I am, I was, a, um, in college, I worked as an orderly in the, uh, okay. in the health center. So I would actually, there were, there were two of us and we would alternate weeks and I would sleep or three of us and I, we'd alternate weeks and I would sleep one week in the health center. And then I was the orderly at night. Then I would take breakfast every morning and I would change beds and, you know, take care mm-hmm. of patients and support nurses in the care of the patient. So that was probably mm-hmm. one of my first exposures to that. I had also, mm-hmm. you know, um, first found out about the power of medicine when I was a child, I was born and injured with forceps. And so I had mm. two neck surgeries and actually wore uh, a brace that went around my head, it had a chin strap, it had a bar that went down to my shoulder, two bars that went down the back of my back and then came around and then two straps that came across. And I wore that every day, every night in fourth grade and every night in fifth and sixth in a little Montana mm. town where people were not very nice. But I had an occupational therapist who, when I came into the room, didn't see the kid with the brace. He Mm. saw a little kid with dreams and he was so kind. And I thought, you know, I want people to feel that way, you know? Mm. And I think that's, you know, where the voiceless part came for me because nobody ever asked me how it felt till he did, you know? And so I thought he was a doctor. So that's why I became a doctor. And then the second thing is I was a security guard in a hospital. That had a psych okay. unit, and I really appreciated helping people be cared for in a loving way. And so, I don't think everybody should be a doctor. I hope everybody isn't a doctor because I know that I am nothing without my team. 
And each member of my team, my respiratory therapist, my nurse, my environmental services, you know, I, I, a great story that is, is that I try to epitomize in my leadership style was from an interview that was done of Michael DeBakey. And Michael DeBakey is a famous cardiac surgeon out of Houston, and he created a lot of the instruments that are used in cardiac surgery, and they're called DeBakey this, DeBakey that. There was a reporter following him around. It was one o'clock in the morning. They just finished an open heart surgery. They're walking through the bowels of the hospital, and there was an old gentleman who was who is a janitor and Dr. DeBakey stopped and he knew the man's name and he asked him about their kids and their wife and they had this great conversation and the reporter followed Dr. DeBakey when they left and went to the ICU but he made a note to himself to come back and talk to the janitor so he came back and he talked to the janitor and he said wow it seems like you and Dr. DeBakey uh, you know you really know each other well are your friends outside the hospital and he said oh no it's just that me and Dr. DeBakey were saving lives and, you know, that idea that, that, that Dr. DeBakey had been able to convey to a janitor uh, his essential role on that team of caring for someone's mother, father, sister, brother, child was so powerful. If you believe in yourself and if you work hard, there is a place for you. And when you arrive in that role, um, then you should be proud of yourself because you have a unique set of competencies that the team cannot function without. My day is really about, you know, series of meetings and interactions to help remove obstacles, to help create vision, to create alignment, to develop communications, to learn, to listen, to understand rather than to reply and to honor people in the work that they do and patients and families in the shared decision making that they have as we go forward to provide them excellent care. So I really see myself as a, as a facilitator and a learner. So I appreciate you highlighting there's, uh, you know, a world of ways to be involved in the medical community without actually needing to go the whole route of becoming a doctor. Students watching this, what are some pieces of advice that you have as they're thinking about making specific decisions right now, you know, ninth, mm -hmm. 10th, 11th, or 12th grade to help position themselves to potentially get into some kind of medical career, whether that's actually being a doctor or something adjacent like um, like an RN, LPN or PA, you know, those different kinds of things. What are, what's advice that you have for like things that they need to be thinking about right now? Yeah, it's probably, it's probably be three, three main themes. One is personal, one's professional and, and one's uh, um, sustainment. So the personal would be is, is, you know, take time to find somebody who, who is doing what you're interested in. And you want to mm -hmm. find the right person. You want to find somebody who's actually positive. Find someone that, you know, you can find if that's really your interest, because money should not be what leads you into medicine, because you make a lot of sacrifices along the way if it's about money. If it's about helping people and making a difference and creating, you know, becoming a professional, then those aren't really sacrifices, they're investments. So that's a really important thing. Second thing on the professional note is, you know, get into science, but get into communication too. You know, do things that allow you to practice communicating. I have an extrovert's look to me, but I process as an introvert. I have to go be alone to re-energize. To re and that took me a long time to learn that. But um, I really think, you know, looking, taking science courses, you know, and things that are helpful or, you know, biology and microbiology, chemistry, pharma, you know, pharmacology, these kind of things. But they're not necessary in the sense to get to the next level. You wanna be well-rounded. So communication, learning how to write well and taking advantage of the learning that, learning how to speak well, because 
people make first impressions. And as you try to advance in this career, you'll get a more opportunity to make a difference if you make a good first impression. Yeah. And I think the second thing is, is really how do you develop your personal wellness? So I think you need to support doing interactive things outside of your professional goals. There are really cool things that you can do that I do. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I love um, that opportunity. You know, I am... Um, I uh, guided fly fishing. I, uh, mm. you know, I bow hunt for elk. I ru I've run marathons. I, you know, am a great father and a great husband per what my wife and my children recently said on this last <laughs> Father's Day. So, you know, I re but I prioritize them and I let them know that. So mm. that's a really important point of part of who you are. But you have to manage it because you have to make your time quality time so that you can be professionally successful because it takes effort. And then the third part is sustainment. How do you sustain that? And we know from literature that's been done on happy doctors and not happy doctors and happy nurses and not happy nurses, that one, you have to manage your professional life because it will always ask you for more and it will always want more. And if you continually say yes, you'll burn out. Um, so you have to define what do you want to do and, you know, and sometimes go slow to go fast. You have to have a passion outside of professional life. And then the third thing is you have to get enough physical wellness. So that means adequate sleep. Eating well is really important, but exercise, you have to find some kind of exercise you can do long term. None of those were about med school. None of those were about residency, and all of those are things I personally do in my own life. I've been successful not because I'm smarter than everybody else. I certainly wasn't richer than everybody else. Um, I didn't have any contacts, but the difference was is that I had confidence that I could make a difference, and I looked for those opportunities and created those opportunities, and then I never gave up on myself. You know, I only applied to one medical school. My mom had made my soup for me because I couldn't afford a second. So. Wow. So let me feed back some of the key points that I'm hearing as we start to wrap this up. Um, you know, obviously to pursue the, to become a doctor the way that you are requires several layers of school and you've got to get intentional about what you take when you're in undergrad. For you, the route that you found to pursue that career was made a lot easier through the army and it allowed you to do something that was personally satisfying in terms of serving your country while also being propelled on the career path, especially given the fact that you didn't come from a background of a lot of money. Uh, and then what I hear you saying is there's some values and some approaches to personal and professional life that sort of hold you up as you pursued your career and that influence your decision to keep getting into leadership. So I hear you talking about making healthy decisions, thinking about the kind of boundaries that you set up around who influences you, how you spend your time staying physically healthy, mentally healthy. And I think those things can apply across a wide variety of disciplines and careers. It's one thing to go get into a career, try to make a lot of money. That's fine. But you can be miserable. And I'm sure you've known doctors that are making a ton of money, surgeons that are making a ton of money and are miserable because they don't have those kinds of values and boundaries figured out. Um, so thank you. That's really helpful. Um, and your next steps, you know, giving advice of what students can focus on next is really helpful. As we start to close this down, any additional parting thoughts or parting words, uh, anything that we didn't touch on that you'd want uh, these students to hear? Yeah, I think, you know, if you were to look at my life, you know, it might look like everything was peachy. So I think the question would be is, is when those times were really tough, how did what decision did I make that allowed me to move forward instead mm. of falling backwards or off that trail? Yeah. And there are a couple a couple of those. One is, is I will not sell my honor. So, for example, if 
I found that an extra thing was put in my grocery bag. I will take it back, even if it's five cents, because my honor's not worth, is worth way more than five cents. Yeah, That's the first yeah. thing. The second thing is, is I try to always assume good intent. So mm. that allows me to interact with people that are difficult and that uh, maybe I don't really want to interact with. And then the third thing is, is I surround myself with good people. And I make choices, even when it hurts, to break away from people who aren't making good decisions in their life. Mm. I love them, but I tell them that I can't be part of that. So when my roommate smoked pot, you know, um, it was a bad decision at that time to be near him because if he got caught, I would have got kicked out of school. It wasn't that I judged him or I thought it was bad, but I left that. When I had a, um, a colleague who was making bad decisions and I ended up having to let him go and get restraining on him, restraining orders, I did that with a thought that this was best for him and best for the patients and best for me. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's it. And then the last part is, is I try not to take myself too seriously. You know, I've been very blessed. I'm very lucky. It's not that I'm super special. It's not that anybody else can't do what I've done. It's just you have to manage your core values. You have to create things that you are passionate about, and you have to strive to make a difference. And then you have to take care of yourself and be healthy to be able to, you know, um, excel in whatever you do. And so believe in yourself. Don't compromise your core values. And, um, and be gentle to those around you in the world because um, if those things resonate with you, you'll make a difference whatever you do. And I would love to have you on my team.